Thank you for joining us on Connecting the Diocese, a production of the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. I'm your host, Jack Socia. Tis the season to be jolly as we move into the final show of 2023. So, well, follow me in merry measure as I have guest Paul Sadek on to talk about a number of interesting, fun things. And I mean fun. Paul and I are both, well, longtime radio guys, former disc jockeys, who in our later parts of our career have decided it's much more productive and much more interesting to work for the Catholic Church. And so we both produce things like this show, and Paul has his own show that run on Catholic networks. So among other things, we'll be talking about a couple of movies that we have seen this year that we liked or didn't like, and also, well, an amazing array of incredibly poor quality Christmas songs that never made it to the air. Now, don't get scared. We're not going to play them. We're just going to give you their awful, awful titles. So back after this on Connecting the Diocese. This time of year, it's very common for news organizations everywhere to do the year in review, where they go back and they talk about what happened in the past 12 months. Well, I thought I would do something similar to that for the Diocese of La Crosse. In this past year, in the Diocese of La Crosse, people throughout the 15,000 square miles attended Mass and prayed. Newly ordained priests were earning their wings, as it were, getting deep into the parish life. New seminarians were learning more about what it was going to be like to be a priest. Volunteers throughout the entire diocese worked faithfully week after week to keep things going, keep things clean, keep things organized, and provide invaluable help. Also, our religious communities in the Diocese of La Crosse did their quiet, beautiful work, also including doing a lot of prayer work for prayer requests that do come in from many different sources. Some priests retired, but still kept their hand in the work of the diocese, filling in when needed, and again, praying and praying and praying for the benefit of all the people. Our Catholic schools adapted with the times, including new technology to make our education system even better, while at the same time retaining the things that make Catholic schools the great things they are today. Our Catholic hospitals were as busy as ever, caring for the needs of those at the beginning of life with births and at the end of life as they moved on to a greater glory. The priests of the Diocese of La Crosse prepared their homilies to give you fresh insights every day or every week. They performed baptisms. They performed weddings. They performed funeral masses, all with care and with concern. The folks at Catholic Charities dealt with the ever-changing needs of our great 15,000-square-mile community. And, of course, the diocesan courier staff dealt with everything from dealing with the missions to youth and young adult ministries to social concerns just keeping track of what's going on and helping every way they possibly could. So now after a very brief pause, a brand new year, and it all starts again. Happy New Year to every single one of you, and thank you so much. Well, as promised, I've been having a nice pre-New Year's conversation with a cohort, a friend, Paul Sadek, who is, like me now, a person who works with Catholic Radio but produces their own things. He does it as an independent contractor. Paul, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Always fun to do a show with you, Jack. And besides, we're still in the 12 days of Christmas, so it ain't done yet, folks. Oh, no, we're having lots of fun. And I should first mention that, uh, as I said, you are now working as an independent contractor. You worked for many years with uh, with Relevant Radio directly, and uh-huh. now you're working with them indirectly. But the show <laughs> is still the same. The show is still yep. the same. And it, it what is. What is it called? Daybreak. It airs every morning at 4 a.m. Central Time 
on the entire Relevant Radio Network, but it is also available as a podcast, and it's a it's an hour of devotions with a, a little bit of an upbeat flavor to it. And again, you know, these are, are things that you can also listen to later on, just like this show is now podcasted all over the place. It's, it makes you wonder, you know, I, I, we don't get to hear from everybody all the time here about what's going on, but you just wonder where where people are that are listening to you and when and what circumstances. You know, occasionally we, we hear from somebody who was driving through the area and they heard one of the shows, and it was so nice that that happened, that the, um, they, they, they ran across us. And now you can just pick it up in most places, iTunes and things like that, because there are parts of the country and parts of the, the state, for that matter, where the FM reception is not good and, and uh, you, don't get the, uh, you don't get the show. Now, we have known each other now, I hate to think how many years it's been, 20 20 years. Uh, we started out getting a, a telephone call one day saying, would you be interested in working with Catholic Radio? And it was kind of like, yeah, I'd like to try that. And <laughs> But you also were in commercial radio. Yeah, me too. I've been since 1980. You know, bo- both of us have been disc jockeys. Both of us have been, you know, working with news departments and sports and all those people and all that stuff. And uh, uh, frankly, in, in, although I did have quite a bit of fun in the commercial radio business, uh, this past, what, 10 years with uh, doing what I'm doing here has been the most fun and the most fulfilling and the most educational and the most inspiring. I'm not the inspiring person. The guests are. But the, the stories, and, you know, the joke I've been saying is it helps keep you sane uh, in this world that's going on. And I think that uh, this coming year, uh, 2024, I think that people are going to be tuning in more, not just to this show, but also to your broadcast, just as an anchor you know, because you get you get to hear good things. I was looking at, I think it was CNN, and they now have a special section that's open. I don't know if it was just for Christmas or whether they're going to keep it up, but it was kind of like a good news button where, you know, you, yeah, yeah, well, you push the button and it would up would come one of any number of, of good stories about people doing good things. 2024 is going to be a great year to learn more about your faith and what it means. Uh, we have this Real Presence campaign going on. We'll be talking more about that as we get closer to June. Uh, the, the folks, the powers that be, were talking to me about how we can schedule more shows about this and about the big event that's going to happen when uh, when uh, the, this actual uh, Real Presence, you know, the, the, this tabernacle, it makes its way across the river from uh, and. I was saying, guys, I understand this is you're excited about this, and it really will be a lot of fun. But you're kind of like you're talking about the um, the halftime show at the Super Bowl, and not the game. <laughs> you know, and we're going to so, we, and they they're going to have a meeting right about now. As a matter of fact, they're going to talk about getting up certain experts, theologians, and others to really lay out the territory, so that when this event happens in June people will have a much better understanding as to why they're all excited about it, which I thought was a pretty, pretty good idea, pretty good idea. So more of that coming up pretty soon, pretty soon. And uh, But today, it's kind of like we sit back and we, we talk about some stuff that uh, well, we kicked around you know, over, over the past year, but also just, uh, uh, just to have a little bit of fun and relax. You're, I'm, you're I'm not, all for having a little bit of fun. Yeah, but we're not drinking. Don't worry about no, that. No, we're not. Just, this uh, is ginger ale sitting here. Yeah. Yeah, if you're any clinking of glasses, it's the my cat jumping up on the counter. But, uh, <laughs> hey, I, one of the things we like to talk about, because both of us are, I would say, movie buffs. Uh, I would not say connoisseurs. No, but no. We are. Uh, movie gourmand, 
<laughs> yeah, gourmet. Yeah. Uh, um, one uh, a chef one time told me the difference between a gourmet and a gourmand. A gourmet likes good food. A gourmand likes to eat. Yeah, yeah. Like we were just talking today about there was a thing in the New York Times where somebody was uh, claiming how the uh, food in the Midwest isn't that good. And they were really, they really been getting their ears pinned back because they hadn't been back for a long time. But the joke came up about, you know, the difference between the the high class restaurant and the, the regular good old restaurant. The good old restaurant has gravy, and the high class restaurant has sauce. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, let's start off talking a bit about movies. Uh, not necessarily a movie that just came out this year, but perhaps. One that came out that you watched this year, even if it was several years old. What, what uh, have you been watching? Well, uh, just the other day, I watched uh, just just a very different one called Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale. Now, uh, I'll read you the summary from IMDb. Uh, and first of all, I'll tell you that the movie is mostly in Finnish with subtitles and a little bit of English. But if you uh, can stay awake and pay attention and read the subtitles, uh, you might enjoy it. It's not really a horror film, uh, but it's it's a, a different film. Christmas Eve in Finland, Santa Claus is unearthed in an archaeological dig. Soon after, children start disappearing, leading a boy and his father to capture Santa. And with the help of fellow hunters, they look to sell him back to the corporation that sponsored the dig. And then there's Santa's elves, who are determined to free their leader. Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale. Uh, nobody in it who you've ever heard of, but uh, it'll capture your attention. I actually saw that several years ago, and because my wife you know, is from a family, half of whom were from Finland. Okay. And, and the Finns have a very dry sense of humor. <laughs> I could tell. <laughs> very, very, very dry. There was that movie we talked about, I think, previously called Sisu, uh, which is an almost hard-to-translate word that's kind of like grit and perseverance. And it was about this uh, this guy at the end of, just at the, as the Nazis were getting out as they were losing badly in World War II, this, this old prospector found a bunch of gold. And uh, they managed to take away the bags of gold from him, the raw gold. And the rest of the movie was about how he was methodically going through these Nazis, you know, <laughs> I mean, like a lawnmower through a field to get back to his gold. And finally, after all this stuff has happened, and I'm not going to tell you more about it, but he goes back to this bank in, in Helsinki. And, uh, you know, he's gone through all kinds of stuff, stuff and, and falling out of planes and getting you know, all, everything happening to him. He plops these big bags of gold down on the on the teller's desk and she goes I would like to transfer this into banknotes it's too darn heavy yeah that's called Sisu um, they've, and there was another one called Red Snow which I will not get into which is a legitimately horror movie about um, an amulet they find somewhere that resurrects dead Nazis and then the the, the Finns go ahead and they, they, they find this mass grave where a bunch of uh, Russian soldiers who hate the Nazis had been killed and they resurrect them to fight the Nazis. So I, I'm telling you, this is this is not kid stuff. It's not. It, it's dry, dry, dry stuff. It's an almost acquired taste. Almost the one I just recently watched, and I'm taking you back to 1983. Speaking of movies made elsewhere, it was a movie filmed and not just filmed, but produced and directed and 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 totally you know done in Australia. But but what it is is really. I call it 
a love song to America. It's called The Return of Captain Invincible. And, and it stars Alan Arkin, who, uh, of course, most of us know from Cats 22, but he also been in lots of other movies. And again, this is completely filmed in Australia. And it was not really filmed with the intention of Americans watching it, but Australians like Americans. They, they just, they like us, at least last time I checked. It starts out with old newsreel footage from the 1940s where Captain Invincible is, um, first he's, he's breaking down, um, you know, a, a gin mill where they were making rotten booze during, you know, during Prohibition. And uh, he's, he's got that George Reeves kind of smile on his face, like no matter what they do can hurt him, you know. And like they're shooting their Tommy guns at him and he's just smiling with his chest out as they bounce off him. And then World War II breaks out. And it shows these Messerschmitts and with bombs coming to bomb someplace. And Captain Invincible shows up and it shows you the, the front of the Messerschmitt, the cockpit with the, with the pilot inside from the outside view. And here's Captain Invincible sitting on the front of the cockpit outside on the plane. <laughs> just, just sitting there like, hi guys, how you doing? And then he sticks his hand out and stops the propeller. <laughs> yeah, well then it fast forwards to the early 1950s where this is back during the McCarthy era, where there were all of these conspiracy theories about, uh, you know, there's a commie under every bed, and McCarthy was holding all these crazy hearings accusing people. And they bring in Captain Invincible with his lawyer. And there's and they've actually spliced in actual footage of McCarthy in this thing. Uh, it's all done in black and white, and that part of it is. And he's going, uh, uh, Captain, uh, what were you doing in Vladivostok in 1943? And he says... I was uh, destroying a, a Nazi panzer division. And he goes, why were you helping, uh, you know, Stalin? And then he said, and by the way, I see that you wear a cape. Why did you choose the color red? Anyway, this absolutely dismays and astonishes Captain Invincible. And he goes into hiding and he begins drinking. And he ends up basically a hopeless alcoholic in a small mountainous area of Australia. Now, another supervillain comes along. And this is played by Christopher Lee. And Christopher Lee says he took this part, but it was the first movie he's ever been asked to be in where he is asked to sing. This movie has dance numbers in it, and they are written and choreographed by the guy who did the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm going to make this as short as I can. The supervillain has hijacked a thing called the hypno-ray, which when trained on people makes them basically do what they're told to do. And at the same time, the supervillain has set up a series of small gated communities, each one for a different ethnic persuasion. There's an Asian one, Hispanic one, uh, African-American one, and these people are invited to come in to buy homes there, and they, of course, agree because they have been handed the hypno-ray. You know? And the idea is once they have moved all these people into all these villages, which is on the coast of Florida, if I'm not mistaken, they, uh, they cut them off and send them out to sea. So it's, it's, he's, he's a racist. It's a, genocid, a genocidal racist, right? Well, well, they, they finally find Captain Incredible in Australia. He's just sitting there drinking a bottle of wine. And uh, to make a long story short, they rehabilitate him to come back and fight um, the, the bad guy. And in one of the scenes that shows it, what looks like he's flying through the sky. And what it is, really, they've got him hoisted up on a, on a hoist with a background so he can remember how to fly again. And they keep giving him Dramamine. It's hysterical. It's hysterical. But the thing, it's a good movie. And, and also, they, you know, he finally goes to New York and, and there's great scenes in New York where, where they, 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 just the whole movie is crazy. 
But the underlying theme from this thing is he's all done restoring order back. You know, the bad guy who was trying to get rid of these undesirable minorities, right, is destroyed, Christopher Lee. And he's flying over New York with a megaphone. He's saying, come on, gang, we're all in this together. You're a great bunch of people, and you know how to do the right thing. And, you know, and the whole movie is saying, you know, America, you're an okay country. And this is not done by the Americans. This is not done by, by Warner Brothers. This is done by a bunch of Australians playing the parts of Americans. Um, it's probably on Amazon. You can buy it on you know, uh, various places. The, uh, the, uh, the, <laughs> the trailers to it are on, uh, on YouTube as well. Uh, there is some vulgarity in it, especially at the very beginning, uh, because they portray the uh, American president as being a, a guy who likes to curse a lot, at least at the beginning of the movie. And uh, anyway, it, it's, it's crazy. It's bizarre. It is uh, of that, er, that kind of crazy movie thing that came out in the early 80s where they were having a lot of fun. But it has a, a sincerity to it, where his secret headquarters is up in the head of the um, of the Statue of Liberty, and at the at, at the end of the movie, when the credits are rolling, they're showing actual footage of immigrants coming off ships and going to the Statue of Liberty. You know, why did they make this movie? It was fun. It was a bunch of belly laughs in the whole thing. Uh, but they just they just were saying they were just saying you know United States. We like you. <laughs> we just like you. We like what you've been. We like what you can be. You know, I'm sorry. I just, I was very touched. Very touched. The, uh, the Return of Captain Invincible. There is, by the way, a Blu-ray three-disc set oh, <laughs> that costs like $90. It's, it's a, it has become a cult favorite. Of course, I was not aware of this at the time. The last time we yeah. did a movie show, uh, I... I um had not yet seen Journey to Bethlehem. I was, uh, I had seen a trailer for it and was planning to go see it. Well, I have since seen it. I like it. Now, let me tell you that there are some people out there, and uh, some of them are, are Catholics who say, oh, it's good, but it's incomplete. Well, yes, this is not intended so much to teach as it is to entertain. So uh, uh, one priest who I know said that uh, it was particularly incomplete as uh, as regards Marian theology. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, however, there was one point uh, where one of the wise men said, what kind of queen uh, would bear such a child? And I thought, now that's pretty good. Now, just to backtrack a bit, Journey to Bethlehem is a live-action musical. It was filmed in uh, Spain, uh, which uh, has a lot of uh, scenes in it which can be made to look like the Holy Land. Uh, it's the story of the Nativity, but it begins with Mary becoming uh, engaged to Joseph. Uh, she's a little disappointed because she wanted to be a teacher, but... Uh, uh, and that's probably where some of the people have the problem, because, of course, you don't find that anywhere in Scripture. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, 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 it's full of songs and dances and sprinkled with humor all over the place while being serious at the serious points. The angel Gabriel comes to visit Mary, and he's a big, tall dude who... Uh, lands hard on her floor and goes, whew, 
and and starts stepping forward and bumps his head on uh, on one of the rafters. Uh, he sees she's asleep, so he starts rehearsing his lines. Uh, <laughs> pretty funny stuff. Yeah. And then the three wise men have a full production number as they introduce themselves to King Herod uh, called The Three Wise Guys. Uh, uh, I just, I, I really was uh, enamored of the movie uh, Journey to Bethlehem. Uh, the only person in it who you probably ever heard of is Antonio Banderas as King Herod. And I like Antonio Banderas. He's, he's cool. quite good. Yeah, he's quite good. You know, the thing is, is that regardless of what the title is, uh, any movie made from a book, and the Bible is a book, uh, they they can't portray, portray every nuance and every jot and tittle in a movie. It doesn't work that way. Uh, they just can't do it. I mean, I remember years ago, um, back in the days of the old Soviet Union, they had. Uh, I watched. I went to see War and Peace, and it was so it was so long that it took um, it took I think two or three nights to watch the whole thing, yeah. and it took it took them it took them so long to make the movie that one of the main characters was a little girl in the movie, and by the end of the movie was a young woman. <laughs> she really was. She it was the same girl. She grew up during the filming of this movie, but. It doesn't even cover half the characters. You know, you just can't do it. It's a movie, folks. <laughs> well, just... best example of that that I can think of is, um, are you at all familiar with uh, a novel or movie called The 7% Solution? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a, a Sherlock Holmes story, um, a, a new Sherlock Holmes story about uh, uh, about Sherlock Holmes uh, kicking his cocaine addiction uh, so that he could... Uh, uh, work on a particular case. I read the book first and was delighted to see that they had done a movie of it. I was horribly disappointed in the movie. Read the book. Forget the movie. I have been going back looking at some of my old favorites, uh, Michael Caine movies. Uh, Funeral in Berlin is one of them, uh, The Ipcrest File. These are when he played Harry Palmer, this uh, this kind of middle-class spy guy, uh, by, no, by no means a flashy James Bond or anything like that. And recently I've begun reading some of the books, and you're right. You, you, there's all kinds of characters. You know, they take two or three characters and compress them into one, uh, things like that that go on. And you just have to understand you're not going to get everything you look for in a movie. And uh, um, at the same time, you can't be too crazy, especially when it comes to a, a movie that has got a, a genuine religious interest. Um, sure. Sure. You know, not to... Not to, uh, to be too harsh on the critics, but I had a German teacher who once said to me, "the uh, the first sign of a person becoming a fanatic about something is they lose their sense of humor." And yep. Uh, yep. you know, you can't you you can't just go, "Well, we're not going to watch that movie because they were had singing Weisman." <laughs> you know, have you seen some of the skits that are put on in Catholic schools by, by the priests and the religious? <laughs> you know, oh, oh I mean, yes, they, they have fun. I mean, people yep. have fun. People laugh and have fun. Uh, uh, you were you, you were know. talking about Christopher Lee singing, and it oh. reminded me of two things. Do you know the one movie where Clint Eastwood sang? Yes, it had a, an ape in it or something. Well, no, it was Painter Wagon. Painter Wagon. Oh, that was it. Okay, I know. I thought also he was in one with some singing baboon it, or something. It, no, yeah, no. Uh, I don't know if he sang in that. Uh, the oh, other okay. thing yeah. it reminded me of was um, Christopher Walken. In the hmm. film version of Jersey Boys, in the closing credits scene, he's part of the dance number. Yeah. 
the last guy you would expect. He's a yes. creepy, creepy looking guy, even normally. Yes, he is. <laughs> Nothing wrong with him. Speaking of um, Clint Eastwood, uh, again, I, I have not been watching a lot of newly released movies lately. Uh, partly, part of, I look, I look through the listings, and if I, if on the cover of the the movie it shows a guy brandishing a gun, I go, ah, oh, not another one, you know. And then also, if it's, if the description of some horror movie is a group of college students go into the woods to a cabin and click, <laughs> you know, no. and I'm pretty much tired of, you know, a person wakes up and finds zombies at click, <laughs> you know. But I went back to, I think it was uh, 1990, maybe two, no, 2000, maybe it was. Clint Eastwood did a movie called Space Cowboys. It was a story of, this is back, uh, the Soviet Union had already collapsed, but they had left up this huge, gigantic communications satellite that was beginning to fail because the communication system wasn't working. And the Americans discovered that the, the Russians had basically stolen the the, uh, the schematics for the Skylab system of, of you know, uh, getting things done. And, of course, this has been up there for years, and the only people who could even fix or even even heard of the the schematics and the circuit boards and all the stuff they had were these these four guys that were long since retired test pilots, and Clint Eastwood was one of them. Donald Sutherland was another one, um, and they all had new jobs. One some were retired. Uh, one of them was an engineer who designed roller coasters. One was a minister, and um, they called them back because they have to put them up into space to fix this thing. And, of course, there's a tremendous amount of uh, tension between the young, you know, the young Turk astronauts and these old people who they, and, uh, uh, you know, the, there was ageism crawling with the whole thing. But it, it, basically, it was, a, it was a good story where there was no guns, no violence. Um, the people who were older were, were essentially treated well, and they accomplished what they had to accomplish, not to spoil the movie. Uh, and the young people, most of them were, were, were pretty good. There was a couple of funny scenes where uh, the, the, the older guys are at lunch, you know, in the cafeteria at, at NASA. And uh, up over comes a waiter with a tray of stuff, compliments of the younger guys. It's, it's all cans of uh, Evan Shure. You know, and so these guys salute, you know, and then they, they're drinking this stuff and, and they're saying, you know, this isn't that bad. I had some at home. <laughs> and the next day, the the young astronauts are dining over, comes the waiter with a tray of a pablum, you know, little Gerber jars for the, <laughs> for the young guys. It, it's a funny movie. It's a sincere movie. Um, there's some great acting and there's some sterling actors and it ends on a positive note. It's exciting. Um, I was I hadn't watched it for years, and I was thinking this is, this is not a bad film. And also, it celebrates the the space shuttle, which you know because they went up on the space shuttle, and uh, it, it for people who weren't even around when the space shuttle was was flying, um, tremendous movie to watch, tremendous movie, and and a good fun movie. It's not going to offend anybody. Uh, there's nothing terribly bloody or gory in it. Um, it's just not a bad film. Well, another one I, I saw recently, I, I think it's ended its theater run now, but it will be out in video, uh, called The Shift. Uh, I've it, heard of it. It's, yeah. um, it's a modern-day sci-fi retelling of the Book of Job. 
uh, a man is in an auto accident. Well, the prelude to it is that he meets a young woman and falls in love. They have a family, and then he's in an auto accident. And when he comes due, he is being greeted by a man who calls himself the benefactor. And he says, well, I can help you get back to your wife if you come to work for me. Well, you find out pretty quickly that this is the devil. <laughs> and uh, the devil is played by Neil McDonough, who is a fantastic actor. He does a good bad guy. But the interesting part about it is that he is also the voice of Jesus on the Truth and Life dramatized audio Bible, which you would hear every morning on uh, Daybreak on Relevant Radio. And I happen to think he does a great Jesus as well. But that's, of course, just audio. In the movie, Neil McDonough was uh, the shift. He was. He said that his main goal was to make the entire audience hate him. And he did a great job of it. Um, it has, like the book of Job, it has a good ending. I won't give you any spoilers uh, except that one. But uh, uh, the shift... Uh, it's from um, Angel Studios, and they—they uh, uh, they have done some wonderful things lately. They—they uh, they have one coming out, I think, in March, called Cabrini, which is the story of Saint Francis Cabrini. Hmm. Uh, I look forward to that. Yeah, we switch gears a little bit on a couple of things. I—I uh, I sent uh, Paul a folder with some images in it, and. Uh, this is a, a kind of an inside baseball kind of conversation, but I'm hoping that you you enjoy it for what it's worth. Uh, both of I, both of, both of I, I just washed my mouth and I can't do a thing with it. Both of us have been in radio long enough that we have spent quite a few Christmases on the air. I'm sure you have spent Christmas Eve on the air, probably Christmas um, Day as well. Many times. What was your first one like, by the way? Oh, I don't know. It was so long ago, Jack, that uh, I, I actually kind of looked forward to it. I uh, regretted having to uh, be away from my family on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, but uh, we always worked it out. There there was one year that uh, my brother came down and visited me uh, at the place where I was working, and we went back and had Christmas with our mother on December 26th, and it was all fun. I, I don't remember much of any of my early ones at the time, you know, it's just like time goes by. But uh, the one thing that uh, most people who have not been on this side of the microphone uh, do not know is that the Christmas music you're hearing, uh, especially the pop tunes now, you know, uh, classic one that's just being celebrated this year is rocking around the christmas tree and Brenda oh Lee. every so, year oh, well yeah, but no, uh, it's, it's some kind of a milestone 60 years now that it's been uh, on and she i think well, she, 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 she was 13 brenda lee she was 13 when she recorded it and yeah. uh, uh a couple names that uh, might be familiar and uh the uh, uh backup instrumentalists include floyd kramer and <laughs> Bo- boots randolph yeah, we're not. We're uh, talking the major, song major... itself was written by Johnny Marks, who wrote "Rudolph yeah. the Red-Nosed Reindeer." Yeah. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, to celebrate the anniversary of this thing, uh, she cut a video. Maybe she synchronized, you know, voice synchronized it from the original. I don't really know, but they, she got some press from this because it's been a long, long time that song has become, as they call it, a standard. And well, it gets into the top ten every year. I know. And for every rocking around the Christmas tree, 
uh, hit that becomes a standard, there are many, many, many records that were cut that you have never heard. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> They're recorded in little studios in Nashville and other places, and they pressed back in the day, they pressed the record, and they would send it out to radio stations hoping that you would play it. And two things would happen. Maybe you did play it privately to hear it. Anyway, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, or your music director, if it wasn't on the Billboard Top 100, they wouldn't play it because they were terribly afraid they were going to lose a listener. You know? now, now, Jack, I, I happen to be a, a fond admirer of uh, the, uh, the song Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. <laughs> and I, uh, and when the record arrived at the radio station where I worked, you know, it had promotional material in it, and uh, uh, it said, uh, you know, if you'd like a copy of the album, uh, call us at this number. And I called the number. I I swear it was the guy who sang the song who answered the phone. I uh, know that's <laughs> small an operation. And uh, by the way, just for the note, uh, I refused to play that record. Okay, <laughs> I was I was in Marshfield. No, I I just had I had a grandma call up and she didn't like it. And I I thought it was just kind of you know I was I'm tr- I was trying to get you know the spirit of the season and this that and the other. And frankly, uh, it, it's cute. But, uh, I, I think so. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I, and I had that. That's fine. Okay, you know, I I was working. Well, that was one of those though that uh, you know it was like fifty fifty whether or not it was going to get played. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, you, you've come up with a whole bunch of them here that hit the lower 50. Oh, 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 oh. There happened to be somebody on Facebook who has made a, a habit or collection. I don't know where they find these, but they put up all the cup, the pictures of the records, um, you know, from places like Skyway Records of Hollywood, California. Okay, we've heard of that one. Uh, for example, I'm going to read some of the titles and try to describe them to you. Uh, these are the records you probably never hear. There's a couple of them. A couple of them make it to YouTube because they are so dreadful. Uh, there was there was one that came out shortly after the, the disaster of Korean Flight 007 that was shot down by the Soviet Union as it accidentally, they say, uh, straight into Soviet airspace. Well, shortly after this happened, uh, somebody came out with one that was called For Christmas Now. Basically, it's, the title was like, Please, Mr. Russian, don't shoot down Santa's sleigh. That one was so bad that it actually made it to YouTube. But anyway, um, here's one that's called No Cheese on the Christmas Tree. And it's got three cartoon rats on the front of it, or mice. And I'm Skimp. I'm Blimp. I'm Wimp. Featuring Blimp, Wimp, and Skimp. And Miss Louise Lewis with No Cheese on the Christmas Tree. Can't imagine we haven't heard that one, have you? Yeah, and then there's a, this is a double one. This is from Columbia Records, so this actually had a chance, but not much. Uh, Gayla Peavy did uh, the, the flip side, the A, the A side was called The Angel in the Christmas Play. And the flip side was called I Got a Code in the Node for Christmas. Yeah, I have not heard these. I've not heard these. Um, no, no, no. Uh, Cam Coburn, the Cam Coburn Trio, although it just shows one person on the front cover, from Hi-Ho Records, singing, If Santa Claus Were President. Okay. And then from Albright Records, Jimmy Allen and Tommy Bartella, When Santa Comes Over the Brooklyn Bridge. They look like, yeah, they, they look like some of the Four Seasons, you know, doo-wop singers on the front stoop kind of guys. Now, oddly enough, though, you did mention Walter Brennan. Uh, 
he, he did a single called Henry Had a Merry Christmas. I don't know. And we're never going to find out because you never heard it because it never got played. Uh, these are just great. Um, <laughs> Jimmy Charles sings The Little White Mouse Called Steve. They, they, keep, they keep trying to be the next Rudolph, you know? And then also, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is very good. Tennessee Ernie Ford, and this is, again, Capitol Records are trying to make a hit. Oh, they're trying so hard. Sings all about Little Clinker, the pup who woke Santa up. Well, I remember one, and it seems to me that it was uh, Jimmy Dean, the, who later became the sausage guy, uh, mm -hmm. who did it, about a fellow called Little Sammy Snowflake, who had huge feet so he could ski without skis, and uh, uh, he he was he was the terror of Santa's workshop because he kept on bumping into things with his feet and breaking toys. But there was there was something at the end of it that uh, uh, you know, like Rudolph, he ended up being a big help in the some way or that. another. Yeah. Now, little Clinker, the pup who woke Santa up, was apparently indeed a clinker. Uh, even with <laughs> even with Tennessee Ernie Ford singing it, but uh, and then of course we have to date this one. This is Dora Bryan uh, singing. All I want for Christmas is a beetle. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and yet more mice. Bob Morrison sings Santa Mouse. And there's a picture picture of a mouse in a Santa suit. Um, the one that struck me as the strangest one here. This was by Alex Houston and Elmer called Here Comes Peter Cottonclaw. <laughs> Here okay. comes Peter Cottonclaw, and this it shows a sleigh with a cow pulling it. Um, I, I don't get that one at all. Yeah. Um, now, again, there's there was all, Gene Autry. Here's this big-name guy. They keep trying to find an animal and Christmas that will work together and do a Rudolph, right? Yeah, this well, he, he did the definitive Rudolph. Well, then he also did the definitive Poppy the Puppy. <laughs> uh, that one didn't quite make it like Rudolph no, did. Uh, no, and the flip side is he'll be coming down the chimney like he always did before. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, oh, another another animal one. They, they keep trying. This is Columbia. Did a lot of these apparently. Something barked on Christmas morning. <laughs> Now, I wonder side, what it could have been. I, the flip side, now I don't know if this is the original or not, but I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Now that one actually did get some traction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm, yeah. Um, okay, and then another one that really dates it. This is Tommy Reagan, another guy with bouffant hair. Uh, Santa Twist and the Bossa Nova Song and Dance. <laughs> and they've got a picture of Santa doing the twist on the front oh, cover. Oh, dear. Um, well... Gonna I, this one I, you have to help. Oh, this something is adapted from the Twelve Days of Christmas, so you know it's going to be really bad. Oh yes, yeah. it's simply called "The Chickens Are in the Chimes." <laughs> oh, what about ahead. "I Fell Out of a Christmas Tree"? That's the last one. Little Little Rita Faye, <laughs> "I Fell Out of a Christmas Tree." Then I want Santa for Claus for Christmas. Um, basically, the, but the, you know, there's a picture of a girl with look, looking a little starry-eyed who's fallen out of a Christmas tree, and there's little little Rita. Uh, she's probably about eighty now. And uh, <laughs> these are songs that you never will ever 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 see. Oh, I missed one. The Roger Nichols Trio, Bernie the Snow Dog. 
Oh well, I remember Bernie. Not Bernie really. The, yeah, not, not really. really. No, no. <laughs> These are the kind of things that we, uh, in our business back then, had to endure. The, the trick is now, this doesn't work anymore. You can send all the records out or whatever. Uh, you simply cannot. There, no one's going to even listen to you. I mean, they're, they're going. But you can go on to YouTube, and you can hear. And I'm, I'm being serious about this. Some darn fine good new original music for Christmas and the rest of the year. Uh, one of your favorites, what was it, uh, Foxes and Fossils? Oh, yes. Oh, they're wonderful. They're, they're uh, you know, three, four guys middle-aged and above, uh, and uh, their daughters or their daughters' friends. And, and these guys are studio musicians, aren't they? Or and they're like that? great. They're great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've done some great Christmas songs, too. Uh, you can find, and also I'm continually amazed when uh, they put the best of things like America's Got Talent or UK's Got Talent on there. There are times when I am absolutely just enthralled with some of the quality that that is heard uh, that you can hear on these these people who come out of nowhere, you know, uh, and they just sing gorgeous stuff. But yeah, there's a lot of good things there, and uh, again, this is you know stuff you can listen to for free. Uh, and if you really like it, there are ways that you can download the audio and you can keep it to listen to. But uh, uh, this is what I try to use. We have problems with uh, the podcast version of the show. Uh, if it's broadcast, generally speaking, most stations have some kind of licensing, so we don't we don't have to worry about it. But when we put a, we we can't just take uh, a popular song and put it on on a podcast. Um, we, we have to pay for that. And, uh, um, you know, you would think, oh, yeah, but no, we're nonprofit. We're religious. No, it doesn't work that way. It no, work that uh -uh. Way at all. not uh, at all. And so we tend to get by with finding original work uh, that are people trying to get discovered on YouTube. And uh, May I change was, gears for a few moments? Absolutely. Have you ever heard of a gentleman by the name of Carlos Kaufmanis? He was a Latvian-American astronomer and... Uh, uh, was uh, in his later years was a professor at the University of Minnesota. He was uh, uh, probably best known for his theory on which he delivered a public lecture more than a thousand times that the Star of Bethlehem was a conjunction of the planets Jupiter and Saturn that took place in 7 BC. And as I said, he, he gave this lecture thousands of times. I was fortunate enough in about 1967, I was in junior high at the time, to see and hear him give this lecture. And if you dig around on uh, YouTube, all over the Internet, uh, mostly if you just look at Wikipedia for Carlos Kaufmanis, uh, you can find one audio recording of his lecture. Fascinating man, and it's done reverently as well. So uh, I would highly recommend that. That's a good switch gears because uh, I was doing a show with the bishop some weeks ago, and I had found a some company made a CD up of hundreds of public domain Christian Catholic uh, books, I mean, dating back centuries, right? And they're all there in readable form. And I ran across uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola, the founder of the Jesuits. And, and he has this, uh, this like, uh, course that you can, you know, this week read this, next week read that. And I mentioned that to the bishop, and I started thinking of, of this year uh, to start reading that. And the bishop said to me, it will change your life. And so 
And so, and, and you can go online, you can go just Google St. Ignatius of Loyola, and up will pop, you know, his uh, his book. This is from like 1600. I mean, it's a goal. It goes, it, I only had a chance to look at a little bit of it so far, but it's fascinating that he reads this stuff to you, or actually he doesn't read it to you, he writes it to you, and you read it. But it, he's giving basic advice on having a... a a meditative pursuit, a spiritual pursuit. And what a wonderful thing to do at the beginning of the year. Uh, it sounds as fresh as if somebody had just put this together last week. Now, again, just look up St. Ignatius of Loyola. And uh, if you dig around, you will find absolutely free versions of it as PDF files that you can download. And then you, and it says, you know, week one, read this, do this, contemplate this. Week two, read this, do this, contemplate this. I'm going to start doing that, uh, you know, the, at the beginning of the year. And uh, like, I, 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 like I say, it's extremely accessible. I, I was going, oh, sometimes, you know, how can, how can someone from the 17th century, you know, be applicable to what, you know, and, and so far from what I can read, it's pretty good. And again, when the bishop says to you, it will change your life, that's a pretty good suggestion. Not bad. Not a bad suggestion. Yeah. Uh, I think, again, we were talking at the beginning of the show that, uh, you know, this is going to be a really weird, rocky year for a lot of reasons because of all of the tension going on. We don't, we don't get political on the show, but there's an awful lot of stuff in the air right now. And people are just um, dark. They're feeling very, very uh, uneasy about lots of things in their life and the future of everything going on, you know. And there's so much that you can get from, say, a homily in mass or going to a website like the Diocese of La Crosse website or whatever and, and seeing some of the videos of some of the homilies the priests have given. I, just delve into it wherever you happen to be. Go look at your diocesan website and go to, go to mass and, and, and look at the bulletin and, and look at what's going on around you. Uh, you know, we've made the joke before here about by being able to talk to people like you, Paul, and like others, uh, what Catholic Charities is up to, what we're doing about, uh, you know, this this uh, uh, true presence uh, thing that's going to be happening this next year. Uh, you, you see people doing good stuff and healthy stuff and stuff that helps keep them centered in a world that uh, tries to really drag you away into really dark, dark places in many cases. And uh, this is a source of, it keeps me sane, just, just being able to talk, to listen about this stuff and to even talk about how I'm feeling about it. Um, yeah, yeah. And you do it every morning, I mean, with your show. Uh, and, and again, yeah, and you can look it up and you can also download it and you can listen to it on, online if you don't want to be up at an early hour. Uh, there is a lot of goodness out there and a lot of good, good things being done both inside the Catholic Church and outside the Catholic Church. And a, a source of comfort, uh, you know, if we go back to the, the basics of what the church was all about, uh, you know, they, they, they used to have a, a version of the Bible called the Good News Bible. Uh, there's plenty of good news. There's absolutely plenty, there's plenty of it. And uh, uh, this is a great time to, to look back into it and, and look at the simplicity of it. You know, my, my joke has always been that so much of the stuff that Jesus explained was so simple to understand and so hard to do. <laughs> and that's the trick. But, uh, you know, this forgiving, uh, you know, forgiving a person how many times? If they, you know, it's, 
seven times seven times or whatever. I mean, it's hard, but but the advice is completely sound. And uh, you hear our bishop, you'll hear various uh, priests and others come on the show. Uh, I tend to leave most of the uh, pronouncements to the authorities, as far as I'm concerned. I'm, this is the this is the bishop show. I will let him talk, but uh, um, yeah, it's good. And uh, even though this has been a very very short. Um, Advent season. I've tried to make the most out of it. Oh, yeah. We tried to do the best we could to pack in the most goodness, uh, which included the audio version of, you know, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, yeah, it's such a, and you can go back and listen to it. It's not too late. You know, you got more days to go. Just go back to diolc.org and slit, go down a couple of weeks and you can hear the uh, the MP3 audio version with uh, Jimmy Stewart and all the all the people, uh, and it, they condense it down to one hour, and they do a marvelous job. I've just heard marvelous. it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's just marvelous. Uh, if I might backtrack just a touch, sure, we, we sure. talked about bad Christmas records that never <laughs> made it anywhere. Yeah, I, I have to give a little plug for uh, an organization called Riff Tracks. Now, if you're not familiar with it, you're probably familiar with Mystery Science Theater 3000. That uh, that was a, a TV show which was a little a little quirky. Uh, it was about a guy and his robot pals who were forced to sit and watch bad movies, and they would make commentary on the movie throughout. Uh, Rift Tracks is the same guys, but without the robots, uh-huh. and and they've done uh, a ton of bad christmas movies uh like uh oh let's see um a christmas dream uh uh there, there's one called uh, uh christmas with rift tracks santa's village of madness they do funny <laughs> funny stuff and uh, uh i uh, I would say and if you if you don't have the channel, which is very possible, uh, you can go look them up at rifttracks.com. Santa Claus versus the Martians. Oh yeah, that's in there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, dreadful, dreadful. Uh, dreadful the, the, there's one. There's one that's simply called Santa Claus, and to distinguish it, I have it labeled as Santa Claus versus the Devil, and it's <laughs> it's very dreadful. Yeah, that was a Mexican-made movie and dubbed it into English. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is tremendous fun. Now, kind of tangentially, again, before we head out pretty soon, I was listening to some pseudo-classical streaming Christmas music, and all of a sudden I heard this, you know, I think it was the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, and I'm going, wait a minute, this music sounds awfully familiar. They did a suite of music that was originally performed for the 1951 version of A Christmas Carol. And it's all of the music, not not from the actual film itself, because it wouldn't sound that good, but re, redone. And for those of us who really love that movie with Alistair Sim and have watched it since we were little kids, it's almost as good as watching the movie. Because, you know, the movie, the music comes on and, uh, you know, there's the, the beginning of it where there's this rather, uh, you know, real stern-sounding music and then Hark the Herald Angels sing and it goes back again. And when uh, there's this really... Uh, um, What's the word? A bullion, the glorious music that comes on for the for the the ghost of Christmas present. You know, it's all from the movie, 
And so if you don't want to watch the movie again, but you sure remember it, uh, you can listen to that soundtrack and, uh, boy, it will it takes you right to the movie. Well, exactly I, to the movie. Uh, being a radio guy, I happen to be a major fan from many, many years back of Lionel Barrymore as Scrooge yes, in yeah. A Christmas Carol. Now, I have two versions of it. One is the... Uh, uh, it wasn't quite an LP. It ran, I think, a total of 28 minutes. Man, did they condense, but they did a nice job of it. But that was after he had been doing it on the radio for years. There still is out there somewhere, if you hunt for it, a copy of uh, Lionel Barrymore in the Campbell Playhouse production of A Christmas Carol with Orson Welles uh, as the host. Hmm. Uh, and it's a full hour long and it uh, gives a little more complete treatment of the story. A lot of these uh, are found at archive.org, yes. where you can search audio and find all kinds of stuff. I found a, uh, I don't know, a whole series of uh, MP3s of uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes Christmas stories. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, but uh, you can spend a bit of time, not spend a dime, but time looking through these things, and you can find some pretty amazing stuff. You also can probably find that St. Ignatius uh, uh, stuff on, uh, on, on archive.org and also Project Gutenberg. But actually, if you sure. just Google it, you'll just find it. It's, it's all over the place. Oh, not, yeah. exactly the, not exactly the least popular item on, on the Internet right about now. Uh, it's pretty, pretty popular. But, Paul, we have kind of not quite wrapped up the whole show, but we're getting close to it. Any final comments or things you wanted to, to drop in? Oh gosh, you surprised me, Jack. Uh, uh, let me let me give you the advice that I always give when somebody is getting married, and I think this holds true for everybody. Keep forgiving, and keep seeking forgiveness. Boy, we'll save that one for twenty twenty four. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. a very good, 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 good idea, Paul. Paul Sadek. Um, Thank you so much. We will have you on again. Uh, I hope so. Work our way into 2024. I still keep thinking, isn't it 1968? What what happened? (laughs) (laughs) But things are fine. A lot of good people out there right now, and we'll be talking with them on the air, and you'll be talking with them, and you'll be doing your show, and uh, we'll just keep on keeping on, and uh, that's good. You got to keep trucking. That's right. And then for those of you old enough, you'll know where that came from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paul, we'll talk to you again, okay? Thanks, Jack. You're listening to Connecting the Diocese. A lot of times when you're watching some news show at the end of the year, along with the year in review, which we've already talked about earlier in the show, they also have a time where they acknowledge all the people who are helping make the show work, who are behind the scenes. And especially if you're looking at something as a video, it is absolutely astounding how many people, dozens and dozens and dozens, who have to get the still pictures ready, the videos ready, put the chroma key up, do all these things, the title sequences, the sound, the makeup people... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's like a whole circus full of people, not just the two who are at the front microphone. Well, we aren't quite that much. Um, this show is much more easy to put together than, say, television would be. I feel absolutely thankful and 
quite honestly blessed for not only having the opportunity to host the show and talk to all the guests and have some say into what ends up on the air, but also to be able to go back through it and edit it and add music and other things to it to do the finished so-called production values. But I am not the only one involved by a long shot. First, I want to thank, of course, Bishop Callahan for taking his time to be on the show periodically, and also the folks in our communications department, Eric Archer and uh, Zach and all the rest who help set up everything and buy some equipment, uh, keeping in mind the fact that we do not spend millions of dollars to produce this show because it's your collection plate money. And we are very careful about that. But also, there are people behind the scenes at two different Catholic networks that get the show, put it up online, put it on the servers, get it into the satellites, whatever they have to do with it, to make sure that the show runs every weekend at the time specified. I'm particularly indebted to Relevant Radio for having carried this show for probably in excess of 10 years. But also, I'm incredibly grateful to you for listening whenever you can, perhaps every week. It's a little bit like that thing about if a tree falls in the woods and there's no one to hear it fall, does it really make a sound? If you're not out there listening, there's no point in doing what we're doing. So you really are the ultimate reason why we're here, and we're very grateful for your participation in listening. Catholic News and Interviews. This is Connecting the Diocese. Jack Sosha here with you on the final few minutes of the final show of 2023, Connecting the Diocese. During my conversation with Paul Sadek, we were talking about good music that can be found on YouTube, and he mentioned a group called Foxes and Fossils. The fossils are these middle-aged or plus gentlemen who are professional studio musicians and incredibly well-accomplished, and their daughters or granddaughters or their daughters' friends. They really are quite good, and you can go to YouTube and just type in Foxes and Fossils or Foxes and Fossils Christmas Music, and you can hear what they have to say. I'm going to leave you with one that I really, really like. The melody is a little different, but the words are still the same. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Some great words to tuck into your heart going into 2024. I'll see you next week. God is 